This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeak, you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call it Money Pit is presented by the Angie app and Bank of America. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Hey, what are you guys doing today? Are you just like tooling around? Are you running errands? That's what my family always tells me they're doing. What you doing? I'm just running some errands. That means they're getting their nails done. Yeah, exactly. It's like a word that kind of like means anything... <laughs> It means uh, I'm, I'm busy. I'm I can't errands. do anything you need me to do because I'm running errands. Maybe you're running errands because you need to pick up some home improvement product, some paint, some spackle, a couple of two by fours. I ran errands this weekend and because uh, I was refinishing a floor. So I ran lots of errands to pick up polyurethane and stuff. And it came out pretty good. I'll tell you more about that a little bit later. But anyway, whatever you guys are doing, uh, if it involves your house, your home, your castle, and you want some advice on how to fix it up, how to improve it, how to solve maybe something that's not looking so hot, how to save some money. Do you want to hire a contractor? You don't know which one or which one to pick, and they're all telling you different things. Well, we can help with all of that because we've been at this for over 20 years, and we are kind of like your coach, uh, your helper, your home improvement therapist, whatever you need. We can help you solve your home improvement questions and problems and DIY dilemmas and make your house the best it can be. You got to help yourself first, though. If you've got questions, reach out to us at one eight 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 Money Pit. That's eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four. Or post your questions at moneypit.com. And brand new, you can also post your questions to us by downloading the Money Pit Vox Pop app, a new way to get in touch with us. And I will tell you that those of you that will check out our new app and send us some questions, you're going to get your questions answered first, guaranteed. So check it out. The links at moneypit.com. Coming up on today's show, if you've had it with the drafts and are seriously ready to update your windows this spring, well, you might find that it is one very confusing experience. But there's a trick that makes it a lot easier, and we're going to share a code that explains everything so you can pick the best windows for your house. And a garbage disposer is one of those products that once you have one, you're never going to be without one again. But if you don't have one, there are a few key features that can make all the difference. We're going to share some tips. And one of the most awkward things to have to hook up is a dryer exhaust duct. you got to be sort of a contortionist to get that duct hooked up just right behind the machine. Because if you don't get it right, lint can build up and that can lead to a fire. So we're going to share some tips to make that project a lot easier. That's right. Give us a call. Let us know what you are working on, what you're planning on tackling this coming spring season. Whatever it is, we're here to lend a hand. So give us a call. Shoot us a text. Post your question. Whatever it is, we're standing by. 
And that number again is one eight 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 Money Pit, or post your questions to moneypit.com. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Well, we all deal with neighbors sometimes, and sometimes they're better than others, and sometimes they're really, really loud, just like Marilyn's daughter's neighbor. What is going on over there? The walls are so thin that she can hear them at a regular, she says, I I haven't heard it, but she says at a regular volume. So she has moved her, she switched her bedroom over and her living room, room over so they don't share that wall, but it's still just as bad. So it's not that they're, how do I put it, you know, hollering or... Yeah, they're not you know, loud. Parties. Yeah. No, they're not. Yeah. She can right. hear them. Yeah. And she says, the worst thing is I can hear what they're saying. And they're 23 right. years old, at these couple of girl gals, and Anna uh, is Too much information, now. huh? <laughs> so she's starting to... I uh, realize, oh my oh, gosh, man. what they're talking yeah. about is not what I want to yeah. be talking about. So, um, yeah. okay. So, what do you? So, suggest? okay, you know that that's um, yeah, I love that. I love that that phrase. The walls are very thin. I mean, a lot of folks think they're actually physically thin, like paper. They're not usually. It's just that that's because of the way the construction is done. There's a lot of ways for sound to transmit. So, typically in a condo, they take steps to make sure that doesn't happen. They use different types of sound deadening approaches. Uh, they put some types of insulation. There's a there's a, a type of rock wool insulation that has sound deadening cap- capabilities that is typically used in a wall like that. But the problem is that these kinds of changes can't be made without taking the wall apart, basically taking the old taking the sheetrock off. Can you do something on her side of the wall? That's what I'm questioning. I don't think that that's going to happen. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. You'd have to, right, you'd have to disassemble her house from her side, and I don't think that's going to happen. She's probably not even allowed to do that. Here's the, here's the things that you could do. Um, first of all, you can put a second layer of, if you want to go this far, you can put a second layer of drywall over the drywall that's there right now. And there's a special type of of glue. It's called green glue. And it's a sound deadening glue. And you need a lot of it. And basically, it comes in like a caulking tube. And you cover the wall with this stuff. And then glue, essentially, glue and screw the the second layer of drywall on top of that. And that creates a barrier that will absorb some of the sound. There's also a type of drywall that has sound deadening built into it. Uh, one of the manufacturers is uh, Quiet Rock. I forget what, what company makes it, but I know that name, Quiet Rock. And, and basically, it's a sound deadening drywall. But you have to remember that sound gets in not only through the drywall itself, but it also gets in around the holes that are in the wall. And I'm talking about the outlets, the light switches, the heating ducts. There are other ways to seal around those. But again, it's something you usually do from behind the outlet box, for example. There's a material that's kind of like a putty. It comes in a sheet that you pack behind these to kind of quiet them down. So this is not easy. Leslie, what about from a decorating standpoint? Is there some sort of a wall covering you can think of that might act as a barrier and help to capture some of those sound waves so they don't as easily sort of transmit through? Well, I mean, it's interesting because I've definitely kept sound within a room, like when you're making a home theater or something like that. There's acoustical wall tiles or acoustical wall framing systems. And in some of those, you kind of put 
a channel system onto the wall that kind of snaps open and closed. And then there's a piece of acoustical foam that you can um, wrap with fabric or get sort of pre-treated with a color. Depends on the system that you buy and put together. And they're all relatively easy to install, the DIY ones. I mean, the, the flipping and snapping can be tricky when you get to the last parts of the fabric, depending on which one. But for the most part, I've had success. They've done well. Um, in my sister's apartment, when they lived on 6th Avenue, their neighbor was super noisy. We did the wall behind their bed. They had a lot of success with reducing the noise there. I've done them in home theaters. So there are systems that you can do yourself, and that can be done with fabric, with this acoustical foam, with these track systems. It's just a, a matter of what budget you're comfortable with and the level of self-installation or hiring the pro. Oh, thank you. I can't thank you enough. I can't believe that you call back. This is great. Oh, you're welcome. Good luck. Take care now. Mike in Little Rock, Arkansas, you've got the money pit. What can we do for you today? Well, I've been doing some remodeling on my house, and it's been going on since about 2018. I'm kind of doing it piecemeal as I can afford things, and we're getting ready to list it probably uh, earlier this, I mean, later this uh, springtime. And I want to know if I can list it as uh, new year models or or freshly remodeled, what would be the best way to list it? Because it, it has taken me three, four years to do it. I mean, I think it's fair to say that it's newly remodeled. I mean, remodeling doesn't you know, doesn't wear out. And if you had an older house, and what kinds of projects did you do? What was remodeled here? Oh, I added a den. I put down new uh, laminated vinyl floors. I put in several pocket doors, added a powder room, changed the... Um, the uh, bathroom uh, from a tub to oh, a walk-in nice, yeah. tower. How about like newly remodeled and freshly updated? Because that kind of covers it. Realtors are always good at those at all those descriptions, right? But but no, I think it's fair. Listen, you know, uh, houses last a lifetime, and the fact that you spent three years fixing this up, especially since two of the last three years, pretty much were slowed down by uh, by the pandemic. I, I think it's fair to say that. I don't think you're misrepresenting anything. And and then you could you could fill in the, uh, the the blanks there, let folks know what you did. In fact, that would give you kind of a leg up on the competition, too. We always say that it's a good idea to have an inventory that lists your improvements when you put a house on the market, especially if any of those improvements are uh, energy saving, because that's really attractive to folks today as well. So I think that's certainly fair for you to, uh, to use those phrases in your listing. And then, of course, you could uh, complete add some additional detail uh, when you complete any kind of a property sort of inventory where you sort of list the features and benefits of the place and include those types of improvements. Great. I appreciate that. That's what I'll do. All right. Good luck with your project. And we hope that you sell it quickly and for a lot of money. Me too. Thanks <laughs> a lot. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. 
and they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Heading out to California. Cindy, what is going on? How can we help you? We have downgraded to a smaller home, and we bought this cute little house that has got this beautiful six-burner gas stove, and the people that built the house put the stove right next to a wooden cabinet, and I can't use uh, somebody turned one burner on against the wall, and it caught the cabinet on fire. So I need to find out what I can put against that wall that will either allow me to use the burners on the stove or not be able to use them at all and just have it look pretty. You know, Leslie, so many folks uh, love to have those very large commercial-style stoves today, but there's a lot more to them than you think because you have all of this additional power in terms of the burners, and also you need better venting, right? You can't use a typical vent. And in Cindy's case here, she's got a serious fire risk. So my thought is this. Tell me if you think this makes sense. First of all, I would get in touch with the manufacturer of the stove because there will be a uh, specification for installation that will give you step-by-step exactly what has to be done to make sure that the surfaces around this uh, this range are, are fire-resistant. You know, there are things that um, that we could suggest, but they may or may not work. You know, putting stainless steel, for example, on this side of the cabinet could could help. But then again, it might just heat up and you could burn yourself on it. So I don't want to be able, I don't want to give you any specific advice about how to make the rest of the, the area that surrounds this fireproof because I know it does exist. The manufacturers of these types of commercial ranges will have them. You really need to kind of take a step back and see how it should have been installed and then decide how you can modify your existing kitchen to make it work. Well, considering that most homeowners only replace windows every 20 to 30 years, choosing the right windows among the dozens of choices that are out there today is kind of difficult. We're going to share some tips in today's Smart Spending Tip presented by the Bank of America Customized Cash Rewards Credit Card. Well, the secret is this. There is such a thing as a rating code. It's a label. It's developed by the NFRC, which stands for the National Fenestration Rating Council. Fenestration is another fun word, isn't it? It means like windows and doors. (laughs) Fenestration. The National Fenestration Rating Council are helping you out here because it allows you to quickly compare the energy performance of windows and doors and skylights. Yeah, and now two of the NFRC's ratings are particularly important for you to know. The U-factor 
and the solar heat gain coefficient. Now, you might see that as SHGC. If you understand these ratings, you can make a smart decision when you're comparing energy-efficient replacement windows, which can help you save some money on heating and air conditioning costs. Yeah, so first let's talk about that U-factor. So the U-factor measures how well a window prevents heat from escaping a building. And it's rated from 0.09 up to 1.2. Now, what you're looking for is a low number here. The lower the U-factor, the better the product is at keeping heat from getting out. Yeah, and now the solar heat gain coefficient, that's going to tell us how effectively that window will block the sun's solar radiation and heat. It's going to be rated on a scale of 0 to 1. The lower the SHGC, the better those windows are at blocking out that unwanted solar heat. Now, there are two other ratings that are also part of the NFRC label, visible transmittance, which measures how much light gets through the windows, and condensation resistance, which tells you how good a window is at keeping moisture from forming on the inside or between the panes, and air leakage, which tells you how good a window is at keeping out the drafts. All good information to know. Yeah, and all of this information is right there on the NFRC label, which should be on each and every window when you're out there shopping. So you want to make sure to refer to that sticker when you're looking at those windows, because this really is the most independent and accurate information that you're going to find. And that's today's smart spending tip presented by the Bank of America Customized Cash Rewards Credit Card. Earn 3% cash back on online shopping. Apply at bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding. Jim in Arkansas is on the line with a chimney question. How can we help you today? Well, the reason I called is because I have an issue with my fireplace. It's just a regular wood burner. It doesn't have an insert in it. And I want to seal the chimney for health and energy loss reasons. You know, I I was thinking about putting a a steel plate on the top because here in the Ozarks, whenever we get bad weather and that wind is howling, it sounds like a freight train coming through my fireplace, and I have quite a bit of a draft. And the damper, you know, just does not hold, you know, securely enough so I don't get that air uh, through there. I was wondering, can you give me some advice as to who to contact, if it's feasible to do something like this? Is safety a concern? It's certainly feasible to do this project. It's sort of the kind of project that you got to be a bit creative with because what you're going to want to do is try to form some sort of weather-tight shield across the top of the flue. I would tell you, that whatever you do to this, make it removable, because chances are if you sell this house at some point in the future, you know somebody might find it really attractive to have a fireplace there in the Ozarks and want to you know, reactivate this chimney, so to speak. So however you seal it across the top, you've got to find, out, find an easy way to do that. You know, One thing that comes to mind is that there's a damper that fits in the top of a chimney liner, and it's sort of like a weighted heavy metal door. And the way it's activated is that there's a stainless steel cable that goes down through the middle of the chimney and it's uh, hooked onto the side of the fireplace. And when you release the cable, the door flops open. So that would be a, a way to put a device up there that's really designed for a flu and will serve the dual purpose of sealing off the draft from the top. Okay. Well, I thank you very much for... Uh giving me the time and i love your show listen to it two hours 
every Sunday morning. All right. Well, thank you very much, Jim. It's nice to hear. We appreciate it. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IAPMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. MONEYPIT. Well, an easy way to cut down on food waste at home is to install a garbage disposer. Now, there's nothing more convenient than being able to send all that leftover fruit and potato peels, the vegetable stubs, and all kinds of other food waste right down your drain. Yeah, and this is one of those appliances that once you own it, you never want to be without it again. I mean, I did not grow up with a garbage disposer, and when we redid our kitchen uh, many years ago, uh, we put one in for the first time, and I was like, oh, man, I'm never going back. It's so cool to have one. So if you don't have one, pick one up. And if you're going to shop for one, there are three questions you need to consider. First up, which type of garbage disposer would work best for your home? Uh, Secondly, what special features are most important to you? And thirdly, do you have a septic tank? Because that has an impact. Yeah. Now, garbage disposers are going to come in two basic modes, batch feed and continuous feed. Now, the batch feed models operate only when the disposal lid is engaged and the unit is activated. Continuous feed models operate with the flick of a switch, and they will run until the unit is switched off, and they're much more convenient to use. Now, let's talk about noise, because you're like, ah, running and food, it's got to be loud. Well, basic disposal models operate with a typical amount of noise, like you'd expect. However, new premium models do run much more quietly, thanks to sound-deadening features, similar to how dishwashers operate. That said, sink style also will impact the noise that you get. An inexpensive stainless steel sink may not provide solid support for a heavier, high-powered model, and an overpowering disposal may cause that surrounding countertop and cabinets to rattle. So there's a lot of stuff to consider. Now, let's talk about if you have a septic system, because septic systems that are sized to accommodate usage of several typical home appliances like dishwashers and washing machines and showers. That's pretty much the norm. Disposers, on the other hand, are compatible with septic systems as well, but you need to avoid 
placing any solid, like mineralized items like eggs or seafood shells in the disposer, as those could definitely contribute to the accumulation of sludge, which is going to clog up your septic field and potentially impact its effectiveness. Now, you hear a lot about people's disposers getting stuck, so there's got to be some tricks of the trade to fix them. So what can we dish? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, in fact, I got a tech support call from a Money Pit listener known as my son <laughs> last week about this, which got me thinking <laughs> Number one about fan. It. Yeah, you know, he's down in his own apartment down in uh, Virginia, and, uh, you know, he had turned on the disposer, and he just had this, like, sort of buzzing sound, like, turn the switch off, quick, because what I knew that meant was it was jammed. It was stuck in that position. Apparently, I think his roommate had, like, cleaned out a fish tank and, like, dumped some gravel down the sink or something like that, and a little piece of that stuff got stuck in the disposer. Uh, And so the solution is this. On the bottom of most disposers, I have to say, first of all, turn the power off. You don't want to do this with the power on. Make sure the power of the unit's off with a circuit breaker. Figure it out. Turn it off. Uh, but the bottom of the disposer has a socket for an Allen wrench right in the middle of it. Like Think of it as like the axle for the disposer. And most disposers come with this Allen wrench. And so I was sending him off to get you know, his hex wrench set that I knew he had because I put it in his toolbox. <laughs> um, and he said... He's, he opened up the bottom of the closet. He said, oh, wait, there's this big wrench here. So that's like the right thing to do. Once you get one of those wrenches for a new disposer, leave it in the closet in the bottom of the sink cabinet because that's where he, where he found it. And that's it's always there or in a kitchen drawer. Um, and so basically you put this in and now you actually are sort of moving the disposal mechanism forward and backwards. And you just kind of like rotate it forward and backwards and forward and backwards. And he did it a couple of times, flick the switch on and away it went. All problem solved. So sometimes it gets stuck. And uh, there's that little uh, hole in the bottom where the Allen wrench fits in, and you can free it up that way. And the other thing I'll tell you is that disposers have their own circuit breaker. Uh, Also on the bottom of the unit, there is a little push-button kind of breaker. And sometimes if it gets stuck and you don't turn the switch off quick enough, that little breaker will pop. So not only do you have to unstick it, you have to push that breaker back in. So, yeah, you know, for for an appliance, it's actually a pretty easy do-it-yourself fix, and I like the fact they give you the tool uh, to do it with. All right. Now, can you end this like family argument that I'm sure many people have across the United States and wherever else you listen to the money pit? Do you need to run the water? I feel like there are water runners and there are not. Oh, my God. I can't tell you in the years I spent as a home inspector, how many homeowners yelled at me for not running water when I was testing at a spoke? When you flip that switch. Oh, man. They thought that I was like, you know, I was ruining that appliance and I was going to have to pay for a new one and this and that. Look. There's this little thing called the ball bearing, and, <laughs> and that's what makes them spin. The fact that, that you run water or not is immaterial. What the water does do is it helps move the waste through the plumbing system, but you can run the disposer without any water for hours, and it would have no effect on it whatsoever. I don't know why you would want to run it for hours, but if you wanted to run it for hours, you could. <laughs> All right. hope that settles a lot of arguments out there. Laurel in Pennsylvania is dealing with some stinky drains at home. Tell us what's going on. My bathroom drain and the kitchen drain, they're, they're starting to smell like garbage. And nothing I put down there helps. Well, can you help me? What have you tried to do in terms of cleaning them? Like um, dishwashing liquid in real hot, sudsy water. Laurel, the odor that you're describing is most likely what we call biogas or biofilm. Okay. Because of the moisture and the waste that gets into these lines, they form sort of a mass of biological material 
that sort of gels together and releases an awful odor, kind of like something that's rotting. And there's no way to kind of make it simpler than that, but it's really kind of a gross thing. So what you need to do is just sort of rinsing it out with hot soapy water is not going to do this. You've got to take the drain cover off. You've got to get into the drain with like a bottle brush or something like that and scrub the inside of the pipe. And that will start to break down the biofilm, and that should help eliminate the odor problem. It's not just a matter of rinsing it out because that's kind of just feeding it. You literally have to abrade this gross stuff away to make it clean once again. Okay? All right. And I really enjoy your program every week. Well, the most important part of a dryer, believe it or not, is not what is on the front of the dryer. It's what's on the back. It's the ducting. It's the dryer exhaust ducting. And I got to tell you, in all the years I spent in the home inspection business, I saw this done wrong more times than I saw it done right. The idea here is to have the shortest distance between the dryer and the vent outside your house. And also to have no kinks in those lines. But typically, especially right behind the dryer, you have, um, you know, a vent that, a vent that's mounted in the wall. And you have the, the other side of the vents on the machine itself. And you have this like sort of snake-like exhaust duct that you put on one side, then the other. Then you have to push the dryer back to the wall. Well, what happens to that piece of ducting? It gets all twisted up and like sort of like candy cane shaped and like just kind of all squishy and collapsed. And it just doesn't work. It makes it harder for the clothes to dry and you build up more lint. I was faced with this exact problem, Leslie, this past weekend, one of the projects I was doing in the, in the condo I was fixing up was uh, straightening out the dryer exhaust duct. And so I decided that I would use what's called a periscope vent. Have you ever heard of a periscope vent? No, but is it what it sounds like? You're sort of snaking something through, but still kind of checking it out, or it's up like a submarine? Yeah, think of it like a submarine periscope, right? So on the bottom, you have a, an opening for the vent on one side of this sort of periscope. And then on the opposite side, towards the top, you have another opening. So what you can do is if, like, say you have a hole in the wall where the vent goes that maybe is, I don't know, a foot higher than the one where the dryer is, basically the periscope, like, slides. It expands. It goes up and down, just like a periscope. And you can adjust it to the perfect um, height between those two ducts and basically press it in place on the dryer side, which is what I did because that was the low side and I secured it tightly. I brought the dryer back to the wall and it was pretty easy to reach my hand behind the dryer and push it in so it connected with the wall vent. And then I put another uh, radiator clamp strap around that and I was good to go. And this way I had no hoses that were crushed and crimped and, and messed up behind the machine. And I knew we would get a lot better drying efficiency and we would not have lint built up. So the bottom line is it's really important to make sure that you have as clear a path for dryer venting as possible so that your clothes dry quickly and that you don't collect a lot of lint that can lead to fires. All right. I mean, that's really an important project, so you got to do it right. James in Illinois is on the line and looking to tackle an electrical project. What are you working on? I have a, well, probably a 50-year-old house and um, everywhere except my bathroom and my kitchen um, I'm dealing with a two-prong outlet, and I'm just using these adapters that are three-prong adapters um, everywhere else, and I absolutely hate it. And 
I don't even know where to begin um, getting them fixed. Um, I'm, I'm kind of uh, not wanting to go to that with an electrician, but the thought of, of doing something and, and doing it wrong and then having an even bigger mess uh, scares me. Yeah, you want to hire a pro. You don't have enough conductors for three-prong. You don't have the ground wire and the type of wiring system that was put in. Now, there's a way to kind of get around it. You can install ground fault outlets that have the ability, if they're wired correctly, to basically shut off the outlet if there's ever a diversion of current to a ground source, which is basically what happens when you get a shock. But even that needs to be done by a pro. So I would have an electrician come in, look it over, and figure out the easiest way to resolve it. I I think it's probably easier than you think. Electricians are pretty good at being able to run run new wiring through uh, finished walls and ceilings without disturbing a lot of the structure. Oh, that was my biggest fear was that it's going to be a big mess. But yeah, they don't have to tear it all out to do that. There's different tools that can snake wires through those spaces, okay? Okay. Great. Thank you. Here's something that happens to the best of us. Margaret wrote in and wants to know, what is the name of the product that you recommend for a stripped screw head? It's a liquid and only a drop is going to solve the problem while she was listening. So let's help her out. Yeah, you're talking about a product by DAP called Tank Bond Liquid Grip. Now, you're right, just one drop, it's all you need, and it's designed to instantly add up to seven times more grip once it's applied to the screw. And that's going to stop your tool or your bit from slipping out and stripping the fastener. It's very helpful whether you're installing or you're removing. It's also going to work on any type or size of screw, and it cleans up easily when you're done. It's been really popular with a lot of folks because this is a problem that happens a lot and you tend to like lean that screwdriver into it. Sometimes it's an old screw and maybe it's rusted or something or sometimes you're not quite straight on the screw head and it strips out. This is a really good solution. It's only about five bucks and you find it at home centers and hardware stores. So uh, take a look at that product, DAP Tank Bond Liquid Grip. I think that will solve it for you, Margaret. Oh, my gosh. End of frustrations for once and for all with that going on at your house. All right. Now we've got one from Joan who writes, I have what looks like a wall vent that isn't connected to any duct, but it's open to the space where the heating system is located in the garage behind the wall. As a result, the cold air from the garage keeps the basement very cold in the winter. Is this vent cut out necessary or can I cover it up? Ah, yes. Very confusing. It looks like a duct, but it's not. What it actually is, Joan, is a combustion air vent. I imagine that your heating system is contained inside of a closet in that basement area. And because it's in a, in a small area like that, you have to make sure that there's enough fresh air that gets in there for the burn of the gas to actually happen or the oil or the propane, any kind of fossil fuel needs to have combustion air. Because if you starve it of air, the fuel won't burn completely and that can lead to carbon monoxide problems. So you don't want to do that. So no, you definitely need to leave that vent open. It is there for a very important purpose and that is to make sure you have plenty of fresh air in that system to properly operate the furnace. Yeah, we have the same. So we have the boiler room is in a small closet off of the basement hangout room. And the kids are like terrified of that room, which is great because you can keep stuff in there that you don't want them to see. But also you can't close the door. So I ended up putting a vent in the door so that I could close it tight so that they weren't like terrified. I even took them in and showed them all of the equipment, how it works, nothing to see here, nothing to be afraid of. But 
they are convinced that there's uh, something living in there that, you know, has bad intentions. You know, I was uh, replacing the floor in the laundry room at, at a condo that we own and we rent. And I was kind of on my hands and knees working on this floor and I felt a draft. And I looked, and there, of course, was a combustion air vent right in the sidewall of this room. And the thing, interesting thing is this is a second-floor unit uh, in the middle of the house. So no matter where this sort of enclosed area is, it's got to have fresh air for it to work properly. Yeah, it's got a good job. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Thanks for spending a bit of your day with us. Hey, whatever project you guys are working on, if you run into a jam, we will get you out of it. Remember, you can reach out to us 24-7 at 1-888-MONEYPIT or post your questions at moneypit.com. And don't forget to check out the brand new Money Pit Vox Pop Bat and get your questions answered first. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.